Hello, Monetization Nation. Nearly 90% of marketers use email marketing to send out content, and 81% of small businesses rely on email marketing for customer acquisitions, with the average open rate for a welcome email at 82%, source Oberlow. In today's episode, we're going to continue our conversation with Ryan Phelan about email marketing and discuss how to begin an email marketing campaign in four steps. Tectonic shifts are constantly transforming the earth and business, causing destruction and huge growth opportunities. I'm Nathan William, the host of Monetization Nation, where we learn how to leverage business tectonic shifts to transform monetization. What is the best monetization strategy or secret you could share with us? Everything makes money. Digitally, everything makes money. Uh, I'll give you a perfect example. Most marketers that are on the B2C side have transactional messages. Um, they're the order confirmation, ship confirmation, all those, all those transactional messages around an order. And a lot of companies start looking at your transactional emails when you get them. How many of them are trying to sell you something you were looking at before you made the purchase or something associated to the purchase that you've made? A lot of companies don't look at those types of things as money-making opportunities. But the reality is, is that if you monetize those, if you take 20%, because by the regs, you can use 20% of that message for a cross-sell, upsell, promotional message. If you do that, you just mint money. Actually, your triggers in your transactional emails can be greater than 50% of your email revenue in a given year, if you do it right. And that's why I tell people when I'm meeting with them, they're like, oh, we can't make money with this or, oh, we're, we, don't need to be, we don't need to worry about revenue with this. It's like everything digitally makes you money. Every outreach, you have to be thinking about what's the opportunity there. You don't have to be blatant about it. You don't have to be like, God, you have to buy now, right? You don't have to have the blinky button. But you do have to look at an email uh, or digital media is how do I how do I monetize that little piece thing and how do I know that I did? That's the other mistake is is attribution is still a challenge for a lot of companies and there's technologies to make that happen. But if you look at Google Analytics, Google Analytics is hard to set up. So outsource it to a professional to set that up so you know where you made your money. Yep. Uh, um, I always challenge people. Uh, the other trick I have is is when I look at promotional emails, if they don't have the navigation, the site navigation, or at least an abbreviated version at the top and the bottom of the email, they're missing out. Because if you look at actually where people click in an email, the majority of clicks will come off of that toolbar at the top and the toolbar at the bottom. Because people, they may, the email may not have what they're looking for, but they know that they have to get X in this category. And that's another thing I look at people and go, this is a monetization strategy. Email is not a convertible medium, but it is a lead generation. It is a lead generation medium that sends qualified traffic to your website. So make sure you're looking at it from that. And it's a lead nurturing. It is. Tool too. Once you have them on your list, you can continue to build credibility with them and, and build a relationship and, and prepare them so that when they're ready to make that sale, we're top of mind. Correct. Absolutely correct. All right, let's dive into email marketing. Sure. Uh, does email marketing still work? Not for everybody. Okay. Um, 
great, great friend of mine, David Baker, who was, uh, uh, is a legend in this industry, once said, sometimes email marketing doesn't work. And it's not because the email is wrong. It's back to that story I told you about uh, 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 channel propensity with Skype. Sometimes there are groups of people that email is not their thing. Text is or push is or billboards or direct mail is, right? Email doesn't work for everybody, but yet we all think that email should work for everybody because everybody's got an email address. That's not, that's not the way it is. And so email doesn't work for everybody. And I think marketers need to recognize the people that it doesn't work for and focus on the people that it does. So who are some of those people it doesn't work for and who are some of the people it does work for? Oh my gosh. Um, It's across the board. There's no consistency. It's really based upon if you send an email campaign, right? You should be looking at it for an analysis of uh, let me think about it this way. There's three things you should look for. The first is what is the history of people that were regularly open and engaged, right? Those are the people that get email, right? right? The second group is what are the people that kinda did, right? They opened like the first one and maybe the fifth one or whatever. They had what you would call an occasional use of email, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's the third group that didn't open their welcome email or maybe open their welcome email and nothing else. Or they opened and didn't click, whatever, right? There's three cohort groups just by looking at, at, a, at a very singular metric that, or, or a couple metrics that can tell you whether they're into email or not. And focus on the ones that had regular use or still have regular use of the channel and focus on them right? The secondary group, maybe put some effort toward them and uh, maybe trying to activate them, maybe try and segment them into what they're interested in, maybe ask them progressive profiling questions or whatever. The third group, don't worry about them. You know, the average consumer list is like 65% inactive, but yet marketers look at the number of those people and think, I need to reactivate all of those people. And it's like, no, focus on the 35% that are that are there and doing something. So I, I think that that really it, 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 it's a data centric approach in how you look at whether email works or not and, and, and whether or not you can market to those people effectively and, and design the strategy, right? As you get deeper into data sciences, you can do propensity-based analysis you can do channel-based analysis, channel propensity. You can do um, uh, percentage or propensity to buy. You can look at what are they interested in? What kind of tone of voice do they want to have um, said to them, right? Um, when we were working with Skype, every different cohort group had a different voice to it and a different it attitude. It's a lot of work to do that, but it can really increase the effectiveness. Well, it pays off in spades, but it is a slog. It is it is work. And, and translation in there. Huh? Oh, yeah. Translation in it. Yeah, because we had to translate it for the entire world, right? So do you, do you translate it for every country or do you translate it for the top level language? Do you go into the dialects? Whew. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about your email marketing framework or strategy. 
Um, oh, I thought there was a second part to that question. <laughs> there was going to be, but you said sure. And so I was just going to let you run with it. Oh, no, keep going. <laughs> so so if if I was a client, a new client of yours, and, and you were just going to lay out for me the big picture strategy of, of, and framework of how I should approach email marketing, what would you tell me? Sure. Um, it's actually three things. First, look at what you have, right? When I walk into a new client, I'm looking at what do you have today? What's your production? What's your flow? What's your data look like? Let me take an inventory so that I fully know what I have. And let me list that out. And I have some, I use graphics and all kinds of little bubbles and stuff. But the first thing I generally do is look at their, at their stuff. The second I, thing I do is, is ask them what their strategy is. And nine times out of 10, everybody looks at me like strategy. I launch emails. I don't have, a, my strategy is to make it to Friday. Uh, or our strategy is to make this nut of revenue, whatever. That is generally the biggest area that I focus in with people on is what is their strategy? Strategy before tactics. Tactics is number three. But what's the strategy? What's the goal? What's your long-term goal? Whether it's testing goals, whether it's it's creative, whether it's promotional, what's your what's your how does your email strategy fit into a brand strategy? Um, and that's tough because as marketers, we are focused on tactics. You get a bunch of marketers in a room and say, I need to accomplish this. Five people are going to raise their hand and say exactly how to do it. But the smart person is going to raise their hand and go, why should we, and why should the consumer even care? Yeah. And so I focus a ton on the strategy piece, right? Let's get this solid. Let's find our reason to believe. Let's find our, our reason for being here. And then the third is, okay, how do we take what we have today and what we know we are, what the strategy is? Now, how do we make those two work? Do we have programs? Do we have systems in place? Do we have the things in place that enable this strategy? And so we get into tactics. We get into uh, production. We look at new programs. We look at all of those things. And because we spend a whole bunch of time in the strategy layer, writing those briefs and coming up with those emails and coming up with the different things we need to do is incredibly easy because I know what my strategy is and I know what I have. Yeah. You talked about earlier that your biggest mistake was going with your gut, not testing. Yep. How do I test and optimize my email campaigns? With a plan. You start with a plan. You don't start with, I'm going to test X. Uh, a lot of marketers make the mistake of, um, just throwing caution to the wind and testing willy-nilly, right? And the most effective email marketers, the one that sit down and go, I have a problem here, or I have a hypothesis here, and I'm going to solve it by here. And between this point and this point, I'm going to come up with a testing plan that gets me to the answer. And so they should write it down. They should do it on a, you know, think out, go back to the strategy piece. What am I going to do every week to prove my point, to get to my point? Um, a lot of people focus on, on testing to just say, I'm going to test my subject lines. Drives me crazy. Um, testing is deeper than that. It's about learning how to test, 
It's about learning what statistical significant significance means. It's about knowing how to read the results. Um, and it's about putting together that plan. And a lot of, a lot of marketers don't do that. They just kind of like, ah, today I'm going to test this picture or I'm going to test this call to action. They test mm -hmm. it on a day. I can't tell you if I had a dollar for every time I walked in and I would ask companies, um, Hey, did you try this? And their response would always be, yes, we tried it once. It didn't work. <laughs> I tried to cross the street once and I got dinged by a car. Should I not do it again? You know, um, or better yet, try something you do better yet. Give an example of something you're trying for the first time. Like I tried walking the first time and I fell. So therefore yeah. I'm not going to walk again. Yeah. And nine times out of 10, I will ask them to send me what they tried. Right. And I'll take a look at it. And most of the time it's like, it didn't fail because you tried it. It failed because it sucked. Yeah. It was missing this and this and this and this. And you sent it to the wrong people and you had the wrong CTA and you sent it on a Saturday at 4 a.m., you know, those kind of things. Yeah. And so testing is not, and this is, I think, key. Testing is not about testing it once. Testing is about testing it and validating it until you can repeatedly get the same result. How often should we be sending our marketing emails? That depends on any, every company. Um, and it depends on the relationships we have with them and the quality of the messages. Yeah. We're sending. I'll give you, this is the example I use all the time. I am, uh, so in my, in my heyday prior to COVID, I used to travel about a hundred thousand miles a year. Wow. And uh, yeah, it stinks. It's, it's not all it's cracked up to be. Um, but uh, uh, so I am a point person miles right i i have top status with the airline and and i want miles any way i can get them and so when american airlines sends me an email i open every one of them because i want those miles i want any offer that will give me miles now i don't take them all because god bless i'd be busy all day but i look at them all uh same thing with woot woot.com i look at that email every day at the same time which is at like 4.30 in the morning while drinking my coffee. But I open every email. Now, does that mean that Americans should start sending their emails every day? No. It means that for me, I want to read every email. For you, you may want to read once a month. Yeah. So it depends based upon the customer, based upon the company, based upon the old adage of just because I have something to say doesn't mean I need to say it. Um, you should have different cadences for every different cohort group that you have. Some are, you know, if you think about a typical retail customer joins, they probably want to hear from you a little bit more, but somebody that's been on there for three months and is opening every other email, maybe they don't. Have you yeah. tested it? Have you tried it? Yep. So personalizing it, just like you'd personalize the content, we need to personalize the frequency. Correct. And, and give them the options, right? If, if we're sending it too frequently, instead of just giving unsubscribe as an option, maybe we give a weekly digest as an option. Yeah. There's a thing called opt down that I have seen quite a few, I've been pushing it for 10 years. Um, 
and I, I'm pleased to see that a lot of companies do it, but an opt-down is when you hit the unsubscribe link, it takes you to a page that says, um, because we know the consumers opt out because of uh, too many emails, not relevant. Those are generally the top two reasons. Uh, if I come to a page and it says, hey, would you like me to send you fewer emails, maybe once a week, maybe once every two weeks? What if I change the categories of the information you receive? If I do that, I get a lot of people not to unsubscribe. Yeah. And that's because not preference. That's something else, right? Because they're your, maybe your best customers in that they already showed they wanted to subscribe, right? Yes. You already got over that first hurdle. Yeah. Okay, what are the best ways to grow my email subscriber list? Slowly, do not buy a list. Yeah, definitely. That's a buzzkill answer. Nobody likes it. Um, there's three key things you can do on your website to increase growth. Number one, and everybody hates this because it's a property war, is put the darn uh, email acquisition at the top of the page, in the header, in the, in the nav bar, something. Put it up there so people can opt in. And test it, right? From the tests that I've done repeatedly over my career, we get a 50% bump in acquisition rates when I have it at the top versus the bottom. A lot of retailers put it at the bottom. A lot of retailers have a button that says sign up for email, which takes you to another page. If you can figure the real estate for it and put a little box where people can put in their email address, great, fine. The second thing you can do is you can have the button that says sign up for our email, take them to a page and show them what the email look like. Tell them how many times you're going to email them. Tell me, try and sell that. We're marketers. Try and sell the person on the, on the subscription. We used to assume that people want to freaking sign up for our stuff, and it's not right. true. So work at it a little bit. Sell it a little bit. You know. Also, ask them demographic questions. The average consumer will give up between three and five pieces of information as long as they deem it necessary for the end retailer, the end company, to drive relevant content. Okay. So ask them a question, ask them one or two, yep. you know, and be able to deliver on it. The one thing that ticks me off is I go to a site and I say, are you male or female? And I say I'm male. And then every email has female stuff. And I'm yeah. like, wait, I told you. So if you ask for it, make sure you deliver on it, but you can ask some questions. The third thing is, is that that ask questions should be pervasive in the first period of time when they get acquired, right? They're willing to tell you about themselves. We call it progressive profiling. They're willing to tell you about themselves. So ask them, ask them questions and then develop automations to echo that stuff back, build relevancy early. See if you can incorporate that into your regular cadence with dynamic content or something like that. But try to use that customer's um, proclivity to give you data about themselves in the, in the best way. Yeah. If I have a budget and I want to spend some money to grow my email list and not just passively do it for my website, where are the most effective ways to spend those, those uh, dollars? Hire me and I'll tell you where to go. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I would, if I was given a bucket of money for acquisition, I would look at, uh, there are technology companies out there where you can have email sign up on different newsletters to appeal to different audiences, almost like an ad buy. Um, 
but I would actually, I would actually use it to advertise my email program to people that were in my demo. Um, banner ads, I would use it. I would work my social media team. I'd work with, um, I'd work with my SEO team, uh, pay-per-click team uh, to put in some money into the coffers to sell my newsletter, or to sell my email, right? Um, there's, there's advantages to that. And people don't think of having money and spending it on advertising for their own thing, right? And so that's what I would do. I never encourage people to buy a list, rent a list. It's too much effort. Never buy a list. You never, you never rent a list, but you would go to a newsletter in your similar demographic, someone that's already, and you would advertise to people that have already subscribed to similar newsletters and, yeah. and try to get them to subscribe to yours. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good strategy. You know, the best place to get YouTube subscribers is to advertise on YouTube channels. The best place to get podcast subscribers is get promoted on other podcasts. And, and, uh, that definitely, I assume, would work really well for email subscribers as well. It does. It, it, and a lot of people don't do it, um, but they should. They should start thinking about it. You have a channel. You have to sell your channel. Yes, your channel is attached to the brand, but that you're a gateway, just like Search is. Search is doing the same thing that you want to do. They're yeah. just driving traffic to the website. What you want to do is have search terms that are like, if I'm Macy's, Maybe one of my search terms is sign up for your e Macy's deals. Heck, yeah. Try it. You know, a lot of people think that they can just go buy a list and instantly go to the moon. I worked for a guy that thought that it doesn't yeah. work. Yeah. I worked for a guy that did that too. And it did not work for him either. Yeah. In fact, I have never in my career seen a, a list purchase strategy work ever. Yeah. And, and, and the reason why is they did not give permission. Even right. if they are your target audience, they didn't choose to be on your list. And so therefore you are, you're an annoyant. It's like sitting in a restaurant and someone walks up to you and starts talking to you, right? Even if it's someone you want to talk to, you're, you are choosing to spend your time in a different way and you didn't give that per person permission mm -hmm. to yeah, there's a, there's a, I wrote an article about this and I slammed this company to the wall for this practice. Okay. And I visited, it was uh, barbecueguys.com, I think was the company. I was looking for a grill for my new house. And so I went to the website and I started, you know, I came to the website and a pop up came up. Would you like to subscribe? And I'm like, no, I'm just looking around. Go away. So I, search around. I'm saving links. I'm getting some ideas on what I could do on my patio. And I leave. A day later, in my inbox is an email from the company saying, hey, are you still interested in X in this thing that you browsed? Now, I never added anything to the cart yeah. and I never gave them my email address. Yeah, they used a third party technology to find my email address and send me spam. Yep. I not only marked it as spam, but I also wrote an article that blew them to hell because that's offensive. And the reason that's offensive is you didn't give them permission, right? You have my personal email address. I don't yep. want you having it. 
If we're going to do email marketing, we can only do it when we have permission to do it. Thank you so much, Ryan, for sharing your stories and insights with us today. Here's some of my key takeaways from this episode. Number one, email marketing is a great lead generation medium that sends qualified traffic to our website. Number two, before we begin designing a newsletter or email marketing strategy, we need to determine our goal. Every email we send should have a strong purpose and offer value to our customers. Number three, if we're going to use email marketing, we can only do it when we have permission to put people on our list. We need to build our email list, not buy one. Number four, we can encourage potential customers to subscribe to our email list by placing a subscription bar at the top of our website, showing our customers what value our newsletter will offer, and asking questions to determine our customers' wants and needs. Number five, we have to be deliberate in our email design and content. Number six, testing is not about testing once. It's about testing and validating until we can repeatedly get the same results. If you enjoyed this interview and want to learn more about Ryan or connect with him, you can find him on LinkedIn. You can also visit his company's website at rpeorigin.com. And there's links to both of those sites in the blog post for this episode at monetizationnation.com. Do you want to be a better digital monetizer? Then please follow these channels to receive free digital monetization content. Number one, you can subscribe to the free Monetization e-magazine at monetizationnation.com. Number two, you can subscribe to the Monetization Nation podcast or YouTube channel. And number three, please follow Monetization Nation on Instagram and Twitter. What strategies have you used to grow your email list? Please join our private Monetization Nation Facebook group and share your insights with other digital monetizers. Thanks for joining me for this episode. I wish you success in your email marketing. Do you want to become a better digital monetizer? To receive great monetization stories and secrets, please go to monetizationnation.com and join free. And if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the show and share it.